Welcome to our Dementia Dialogue podcast, where we are discussing changing and adapting when dementia enters a person's life. One of four themes we are exploring in our series, Living the Dementia Journey. Our goal in sharing personal stories is to help us better understand what it means to encounter dementia, to gain some insight, and to learn how we can fully live in the face of such a challenge. Dementia Dialogue thanks our sponsor and partner, the Center for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, Thunder Bay, Ontario. Our guest today is Ron Posnell a retired educator who lives in London, Ontario. Ron is living with a diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment. He shares with us some of his experiences coming to terms with his condition and continuing to live a full life. Most of all, I was struck by Ron's forward-looking approach to life. For me, his key messages that emerged were, know where you are at, ask for help, and plan ahead. Thanks, Ron, for joining us this afternoon and for sharing a little bit of, of your story of you know developing some cognitive impairment and for your willingness to share your story with other people. I wonder if you might just talk a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you've done in your life so far, and, uh, and then we'll kind of get going from there. Well, I, my ideal life role, I describe as a teacher. I love teaching. One of the things I really feel has to be addressed today is the people, guests who have cognitive problems leading to dementia, whatever stage they're at, but so many people have never really accepted that. They deny it. They even deny it with their spouses, let alone their rest of their family or their friends. And, and it's a shame because it's that group around you who are going to carry you through that rest of your life. And if you can't talk about it, you can't share your, then your problem. But it gets right into the business of the initial acceptance of it. Yeah. So uh, we do need to talk about yes. it. This is, this is not a sexually transmitted disease. There's no shame about it. It's a problem we all have. I wonder, uh, Ron, if you might just describe to us when you first became aware that, you know, there was something going on in your body or in your life that wasn't right from your perspective? That well, I, is it, that. <laughs> I've got to make a joke. I tend to make jokes out of most things. Sure. I, you, you mentioned body. I, one of the things I did was retirement, took up golf. And That's not an uncommon thing. No, no. And what, what I found out was that after the first few years, the game just got worse. <laughs> so that's not an uncommon reaction no. either. But then you get to the point where you can't keep score either. So. Oh, yes. Okay. But now I make fun of it. But the reality is that I don't know how much of the body stuff, but I do know. Uh, and then I was aware that I did some reading and checking on this stuff of some of the problems with cognitive behavior as it gets into memory and functioning and recall and all, all that stuff. So I was worried about it. I was concerned about it. I went deliberately to my GP, explained my problems, and she gave me the classic test, that Montreal test, yeah, MOCA, MOCA, and, test. MOCA test. And uh, I passed it very well. So anyway, a year later I went back at her again. They said, no, we've got, I put, insisted on a referral to, to a specialist. 
thank goodness I did. I got that. Because with, with my push to get a proper appraisal, a thorough appraisal, by somebody who knows something about it, um, gave me, let's say, an affirmation of where I'm at. And like all my life, once I know where I'm at, I can start planning okay. and working where I got to go. Because uh, I, I live on the basis of the fact that I got a plan for tomorrow. Now, how about uh, the response of people that are around you when you would, you know, you would have come home from the clinic or wherever? And well, I, I made a point, of course. My wife was involved yeah. right from the beginning, so that was not the issue. But uh, I was determined to share it with family and, and close friends. Uh, friendships are very important to me. In taking it to my friends, uh, once I had the assessment, I explained that I'm at the beginning stage here, and, and of course they're all shocked and horrified and all those kinds of things. Some people have had similar experiences with other family, so they bring them to me. But almost 99% of them said, I don't believe it. So you're continuing to function at a level that I don't your stop. friends would not uh, no. observe any you know, particular difference. No. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't stop. Now, I know there are things I can't do, and uh, there are times I tell them I can't do that, so I can't join in that kind of activity. But um, for the most part, I do, and, and they recognize, too, that if I screw things up, I've got to build an excuse. Yes, <laughs> what, what yes. Is, you know, I forgot to come. Well, okay. big deal. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you have a diagnosis of a mild cognitive impairment at that's this right. point. Now, not... I'm just trying to get a sense of where you think this is heading, in a sense, because as I understand it, not everyone with a diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment necessarily progresses to, you know, dementia. Full Seventy-five percent of us do. Yeah. Twenty-five percent yeah. so, don't. Yes. Yeah. So you're, you're, what's your kind of approach to those odds? You're, well, you're, my approach is that I'm more likely in the 75% okay. than in yes. the 25%. Okay. If I'm in the 25%, great. That'll Bonus. Be, that's right. But I'm more likely in the 75%. Are you making uh, periodic, like annual visits? Oh, to, well, yeah, uh, that's, part of the, yeah. that's part of the program we have here in London. Right. Is that we get that. And with the annual visits, uh, here in London they offer an annual MRI of yes. your head. Well, you see, there's where I, I already know, they show me, I can see the parts of my brain that are beginning to be plaque encrusted, yeah. develop those cavities. So I, I, that's where I think I'm gonna be in the 75%. So I have that advantage to it. Uh, if, if you consider that advantage, I just know more, that's all. And by knowing more, it's great. The uh, the kind of the testing and the diagnostic process itself, did you find that, were you comfortable with that? Did you find that burdensome? No. Did you, no? No. Okay. Probably too, I mean, the sense that I have is that you entered into, you know, you asked the question of a specialist in a sense, you know, can you tell me what's wrong with me? Yeah. So that you could figure out how you were going to deal with it. Oh, absolutely. It's a different kind of thing when people might ask that same question, but is really fearful of the consequences. Yeah, you know, or anger, like my sister was. Yes, yeah. The yes. doctor thinks I'm yes. crazy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there are people who are going to deny what the doctor, just like that happens all the time with, with different diagnoses other than dementia. But dementia is a 
is a very difficult thing for people to handle because they're absolutely terrified of it. So I like to cook. I've always been the cook in our home. My wife and I, we have no kids, so I cook. She cleans up, I cook. So I've enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed cooking. But now I'm having problems. Fundamental recipes that are always in my head, they're not there anymore. I gotta refer to a written out recipe. And as you can realize, at our age, most recipes are for four, six, or eight, or 12 people. So when you're to cook, you make your adjustments to the recipe, because you can't prepare 12, at least I don't yeah. prepare 12. <laughs> <laughs> and so you gotta make adjustments. Well, that simplistic kind of math is very difficult for me. Now I can't figure out a recipe for two out of a recipe for six. So, yeah, I have to accept some of these realities, yeah. but you make adjustments for it. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that when you face that kind of realization of a, you know, a limitation? Well, perhaps I, I, suppose, I, I suppose there's some frustration or disappointment. But also, there is, I guess it's a reaffirmation of my status. Yes. And, uh, okay, well, I got to go on from here. And I do go on. It's, it's more, I take it on as a challenge, I guess, yeah. a personal challenge, and I don't mind that. I don't mind trying to do things a different way. And if I can't do things that I've always done, I'll set that aside and go do something different. And that's Maybe my whole attitude. Time. Yeah, try a different recipe. Yeah. Or go go get the, a takeout. <laughs> <laughs> Ron has become active in his local Alzheimer's society and spoke of some of his involvement with them. You're not going to live with dementia without care providers. And the more you move along, the more your care provider is involved. And uh, whether it's a paid professional care provider or whether it's your spouse, whether it's a family friend, that's the reality of it. That you're no longer alone and that's You can't do this alone. You have to have help. So uh, the society recognizes that. So you're brought in, you deal with it together. And uh, the alumni, we meet once a month, just an informal thing for a couple hours or so. Uh, it's people who have taken the Learn to Rope session and it provides them with an opportunity to meet with other people who have taken that Learn to Rope session. And we just talk about personal issues and problems, how we're dealing with it. Sometimes uh, uh, people bring their worst fears forward, and other times they just hear worst fears from other people and learn from that. Yes. But it, it's, it's a, a very positive, constructive, mutually supportive kind of an environment. I can't think of a better support means. Than yeah. I wonder if you might think about adapting to a new kind of identity as maybe some of you know, the strengths in that area might become more diminished uh, you know, should the condition progress. Have you given any thought to your changing identity or how, how you would see yourself in the future? When I get to the point where I can't communicate with yeah. people, where I feel that I've got something to say and I can't say it, right now it's very hard for me to imagine that, but but I know something like that will happen. I prefer to think that I will seek and provide another means by which I can show people, explain to people what I'm thinking or yes. feeling. 
but I, yeah, there will be a time when I can't do that. And I, I accept that I will accept that because I know it's going to come and I'm not going to duck it or run from it. I, it it's part, when, when you see the clouds outside, you know the rain's going to fall, you carry the umbrella, don't you? So it's part of that adaptability and, and yeah. trying to anticipate uh, what something, you know, something that might happen and what yeah. your strategy might That's right. be at that point mm -hmm. in time, passively. Well, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Again, we're yes. talking about communication, really. Uh, I have a great deal of difficulty now remembering names, even people that were very close to me. I, but I still recognize them from all the recognition factors. But in communicating with them, I, uh, there are little things that you do to get, I tell them my name, hopefully they'll give me their name. And if they don't, and, and I say, well, you know, I think I remember you best and I'll try to share that. Well, that gets them talking. And then it gives me a little bit of a clue. And so uh, those kinds of things I, I do now, but I, I've stopped worrying about the fact I don't recognize names. I've stopped worrying about the fact that I can't remember words. And because I've told the people that I'm with, usually, that I've got a problem, so when I stumble in a sentence because I can't remember the damn word, I'll ask. Or I'll just simply say, well, I can't remember that. I'm wondering, Ron, if you've got, you know, any thoughts around lessons learned or Thing, you know, any kind of critical teaching points that you'd like to kind of leave with people that might be, you know, listening to this conversation before we... Well, there are, there are a number of things, and I... Because okay. could, we could really extend this if we got going on it, but once I knew that I have dementia or MCI, I started going to the computer, Google, and company are, are just tremendous in getting information. So I, 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 the, the doctor did the assessment, referred me to the, the London Alzheimer's group. I go back to my basic theme. For everybody that's in this dementia mode, whatever stage you're at, it's important to one, to accept the fact that you've got it. Number two, to accept that there are a lot of people who are willing and anxious to help you out. And number three, start working out your plan. Work out a plan. You're, they're, they're at the mild stage, you've still got lots of ability to do things, so do it now. Don't put it off. And, by, and when I say do it now, find out what are the different stages of development of dementia. And how do you handle it? What are you going to do with it? Like I, it still blows my mind to think that somebody gets into the even the moderate stage of dementia, and they haven't got a will worked out. They haven't got powers of attorney for this or that. Well, come on. This is well into the 21st century. We, we're past that. I, there are people 50 years ago that didn't do that, but not today. But unfortunately, they do. Yeah. They yeah. don't have wills ready. They don't get involved. So financial planning and wills are a strong part of it. Well, get it done and get it worked out. And there are yeah. lots of resources to help you with it. Yeah. And, I, and uh, yeah, you're going to lose your driver's license. For me, that's going to be a fundamental turn in my life. Well, I'm psychologically ready for when it's going to happen. I keep checking the different things that they've got on these websites for signs of when you're going to need it. And I'll likely even take a test long before the doctor even thinks about it. 
for her. Uh, like she, like I know she's thought about it, but yeah. before she yeah. pulls threats to yeah. pull my license, I'll uh, likely turn it in because I realize I've got problems yeah. that I can't otherwise deal yeah. with. So I I look at it in terms of just how I've always functioned. I have enjoyed a life of being able to work with people, whether it's in a classroom or outside the classroom or wherever it is. It, I just enjoy being and working with people. In this case, it's much more personal. I'm directly and personally involved. So what does it mean to me? It gives me a personal sense of accomplishment and fulfillment. It gives me a reason to live. Okay, well, thanks very much, Juan. If you would like more information about our series and the research underlying it, please go to our website, DementiaDialogue.ca. Please join us also on Facebook at Dementia Dialogue. Feel free to make a comment or perhaps to share a bit of your experience with dementia. Thanks again to our sponsor for today's episode, the Center for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, Thunder Bay, Ontario. I would also like to thank Bruce Ray, who hosted us at the Alzheimer's Society of London and Middlesex in Ontario and who recorded our conversation. Please join us for our next episode on Dementia Dialogue as we continue our conversation on changing and adapting as part of the dementia journey. My name is David Harvey.